0: We're all taught a story has three parts, but life just isn't that linear. What happens when the middle is just the beginning? I'm Danielle Prescott. This is More Than This, a Vox Creative production with Straight Talk Wireless. This one is hard too. I always see people with this bag and I'm like, you are, that's...
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot because I mean, what's this one like? That one's that one's actually a synthetic one. Um,
0: okay, that's good. Yeah,
1: so I was kind of like, eh, that one's okay. So this is a lambskin one. I'm too scared to kind of bring it around because you know.
0: Yeah, it's pretty soft.
1: It gets scratched so easily. So. But girl, bags are meant to be worn. Like <laughs> it's you have true. to like you have to live. It is true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's
0: Eileen Louisb, showing me her extensive handbag collection. Her home in Moreno Valley is about an hour outside of Los Angeles. And being there felt like stepping into a millennial dream. Plants popping out against natural color schemes, a gallery wall behind a low-slung couch, the black and gold hall bathroom that's the product of some real DIY YouTube tenacity. Then there are the homemade iridescent nunchucks hanging in her closet. It's all documented on Eileen's popular lifestyle blog.
1: I'm Eileen Louie. I started... The ball around a budget when I was about 24 years old as a result of having been disappointed in job instability and job loss and financial insecurity. And I wanted to have a place online where people who were going through the same financial issues could feel like they had a safe haven and to not feel so much shame and to just know that there were other people who were going through the same things.
0: The blog is all about finding ways to afford the life you want. And it catapulted Eileen's career. She's now an influencer with more than 28,000 followers on Instagram, where she shows off her financially savvy fashion sense. She offers an online course called the Blogger Bible, aimed at helping others monetize their passions. And she recently started her own podcast.
1: This is the Baller on a Budget podcast. I'm Eileen, your host and your favorite baller on a budget. This isn't just a podcast about money management. We talk about all the juicy bits that surround money, the taboo, the heartbreak, the struggle, and the ridiculous moments we all face when it comes to saving some extra cash. Ready? Let's go. In her own words,
0: Eileen is a woman with champagne taste on a beer budget. And though she may dish out financial advice, she's no financial advisor. The magic of her blog is that it's full of relatable down to earth tips based on her own experience, like how to save money on handbags, how to negotiate at a car dealership, and where to find the best deals on super hot sneakers. <laughs> you
1: have such
0: little feet.
1: I do. I can shop in the kids' section. That's oh how I save gosh. money. <laughs> For real. And then, you know, with
0: her down to earth approach works, and it draws around 70,000 visitors a month sometimes 90,000 during busy seasons. Whatever advice she's dishing out, it always revolves around this core philosophy. Women shouldn't feel like they have to choose between their happiness and their financial goals. It's a philosophy that changes her readers' lives.
1: This one person had said, I don't even know if you read your emails, but I wanted to share this with you because it was very important to me. Her and her partner had a lot of debt because she was carried away with spending so much money on luxury goods like bags and shoes. And they had been thrusted into debt because of her shopping behavior. And she had stumbled across my website and she just got lost in the rabbit hole. And it gave her that moment of self-empowerment where she was finally able to kind of see through the fog and realized that she was trying to allocate her self worth from material possessions that were not helping not only her but her husband. So she had been inspired by my blog to sell a lot of her stuff to get her finances in order, and they paid off all their debt. And it was a really touching email that's always sat with me because that. Made but
0: Eileen's real magic I is how frank like she is about money. Most of us are hush hush about our finances, maybe because we're constantly told not to talk about money. Or because we're ashamed of how much we have in the bank. But Eileen, she just addresses it straight on. But Eileen's relationship with money and her relationship with herself weren't always this healthy.
1: I mean, for me being like 28, I've probably amassed. I would say probably at least $80,000 in credit card debt for my whole life. Oh my god. It's crazy. And I you know on shoes, clothes, and bags. I don't see and that's the crazy part is I don't even know where all that money went because I don't have any of those things anymore.
0: Her parents and three older sisters are from the Philippines, but Eileen was born and raised in the States. And as a first-generation American, she was extra aware of the things that made her an outsider.
1: Um, I feel like with me having immigrant parents who came here with just their three children and basically the clothes on their back, you know, we didn't have, I guess, like a generational wealth that people, you know, here have been in America for several generations. So we basically started with nothing. And I felt constantly like I was looking at everybody from, I guess, trapped in a glass box and watching the world kind of move past me without me being part of it. So I always kind of felt like an outsider. And I didn't realize that as a child— that financial situation already had such a huge impact on the way that I looked at the world.
0: Her cousin Andrew immigrated from the Philippines to Moreno Valley when he was 12, and he's been one of Eileen's closest friends and confidants ever since. And according to him, Eileen didn't just stand out in school, she stood out from her family too.
2: I definitely saw her as American for sure. Seeing all these things, like, oh my god, I have so much teen angst, you know? And I'm like, what is this? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And then here? there was the punk phase. You know, she started like have that like streak of like blonde hair. Mm. I think she even had like purple hair. I'm not sure. And it just like progressively gotten like to the where she's wearing all black. <laughs> I still make fun of her about that, you know? Like, do you remember that time in high school? Like, what happened to you? Look at you now. You're this, like, fashion goddess. Like, you know what I mean? Her style
0: went through a few evolutions. In her sophomore year, hoping to get attention by looking older than her age, she tried out a new accessory. Heels. All day, every day.
1: They weren't like little kitten heels. They were at least like four inch heels, no platform. So I was really doing a number on my knees and my ankles. Seriously, your you know, back, like yeah, everything. everything. But for me, I was like, I will brave through that pain of wearing high heels if it, if it means being respected. Well, yeah, the heels. And then I always remember wearing uh, like a fitted trench coat dress. Oh my gosh, you really were like I really like was a CEO. I was literally walking the runway in the halls of <laughs> my school. The locker room was like my runway. Yeah. Um, the reason why I wore heels was because I wanted so badly to be seen. But I just thought that if I could put more symbols of womanhood on me that I would be accepted in that way. But even the girls that I aspired to be like weren't wearing things like that. <laughs> Putting so
0: much stock in her style started to create more than just knee and ankle issues. Her eyes became bigger than her wallet.
2: She's really good at hiding, right? And I think that's like masking. But there was like one time that I knew there was like a problem. So we were at the mall and then she was thinking of buying like these two blouses, right? Or two dresses or whatever. She was saying, Should I get this? And I'm like, No, you shouldn't get it. You got like two. I was gonna like put it back. I kid you not. She grounded and she tried to run. and It's like, what are you doing? I mean, we laugh about it now.
0: Did you think that like she couldn't afford it or you just were like, you just don't need it?
2: I just think that she just didn't need it at that point, you know, because she had so much, right? Why do you need to buy another one? You have so many, you know, look at your closet, you have a lot. I think she kept buying stuff because she was probably going through stuff that she probably needed to work out, you know.
0: Andrew could tell something deeper was going on with Eileen, but he didn't know what to do about it. Neither did she.
1: I think as a kid, there was always that like um, level of isolation that I felt in elementary school and middle school, but it really manifested into something bigger when we got into high school because I feel like that's where we start, you know, forming the social circles, the cliques, you know, the I, forming your own identity. And it was really hard for me. I dealt with a lot of bullying. It just kind of felt like high school was really hard for me to connect with other people.
0: Did you have language around depression or like mental health struggles like at the time? Like, did you even realize that you were
1: depressed? Um, I think I looked it up on Google because I wasn't sure. I was very sad, very, very, very sad. And I, I was like, I'm stuck in this sad place. I don't think this is normal. And then, you know, that curious search of Google led me to that rabbit hole. And then I realized that I am pretty depressed. And it was really difficult for me to navigate that alone. I wound up getting the courage to, you know, tell my parents that I was depressed. And there was almost this disbelief of, you know, mental health actually being a necessity. They did take me to a therapist, but we didn't really talk about it after that. So it was me just working with a therapist, and then my parents just kind of never acknowledged it.
0: This podcast is all about seeking more for yourself. And at the time, Eileen certainly wanted more. More stuff, more money, more clout. She wanted to fill the dark hole she was in with material things. You'd think that after 15 years in fashion, I'd have a few cautionary tales about people who'd fallen into debt for the same reason as Eileen, but I don't. And that has a lot to do with how the industry operates. Like, no one pays for their own clothes. It's an economy of favors and freebies. But beyond that, of course I don't have those stories because no one talked about their money, especially not how much money they owe to their credit card company. Debt is often invisible, And it happens fast when you're spending a few hundred dollars here and there, but it happens even faster when your buying habits are fueled by a lack of self-worth.
1: I don't feel worthy of just receiving things just to receive them. I always have to earn everything. And in order to earn it, I have to work as hard as I humanly can. We're always told to do well in school, go to college, and then get your degree, and then just pursue a job with that degree. And for me, while that sounded like such a you know guaranteed route, it just wasn't for me. And also because I think a big part of that was because my dad was a nurse. He was literally never home. When I was home, he was sleeping, and then as soon as he woke up, he just got ready for work, and he left. And he did that until he retired. And that's difficult. And, um, you know, my parents— You know, we're always saying, well, he works graveyard and overtime because he needs the money. And I was thinking to myself, what is the point of getting a degree if you're going to work this hard still? And my dad, you know, he loved us enough to make that sacrifice. But for me, I just felt like you brought us to America because you wanted to give us more opportunities and more, you know, more of a chance to pursue what we want to do in life. So why would I repeat the same footsteps?
0: But Eileen did actually end up following in her dad's footsteps in a way, she ran herself ragged.
1: Well, I worked at the movie theater. um, And then I also worked at a car dealership where I first was on the sales floor selling cars. And then I moved into the service department, which was difficult for me because as a woman, no male customer ever took me seriously. And then I also worked at a spa um, because I did go to school to become an esthetician. And then I worked at a hotel at the front lobby. Oh, what else did I do? I'm pretty sure there's, like, more there. Well, you were Um, in real
0: estate, too. Oh, I
1: was in real estate. I think that was the most recent thing for me, where I was serious of, you know, pursuing this, and I wanted to be a realtor in L.A. and, you know, get that commission, the fat commission, and... Just being in that environment was so mentally and emotionally draining for me because there was so much of this, um, this idea where you had to look a certain way, you had to drive a certain car, you had to look the image of success. And to me, it felt like falsified. And it was putting me in this place where now I'm trying to become a person that I'm not again.
0: Eileen had spent her life trying to impress other people until she realized that looking the part and getting the part are two very different things.
1: And I was miserable. I hated working for other people. And there were no growth opportunities when I was working for somebody else who just wanted me to do this one tiny job. And I felt like I can't even attempt to shatter a glass ceiling because I'm nowhere in proximity to a ceiling period. I'm so low to the bottom that I might as well just kind of take that risk and work for myself because at least I can constantly shatter glass ceilings if I'm the one who creates them.
0: We've all been turned away from doors it took a lot of courage to knock on. And that rejection doesn't just sting. It keeps us stuck. Stuck in the uncomfy moments of our life that drive us to knock on new doors in the first place. But there comes a time in all of our lives when you realize you can stop knocking on other people's doors and start drawing your own. Eileen hit her breaking point when she was 24. She'd just been laid off at the car dealership, her main source of steady income. She was still working as a realtor, racing from house to house to try and please needy clients.
1: I just felt really dejected and frustrated because I knew I was at my limit of trying as much as I could. And I still felt like I was not enough. I just remember I had that point where when the client was just being really, really disrespectful to me that I just kind of walked out. And so at a certain point, I just kind of shut down and you know, calmly told my cohort to you know, take it from there. I went home and then I got a, a pretty terrible email from you know, my boss saying, why did you do that? And to that response, I just sent my letter of resignation in and I didn't give it two weeks. I just basically said goodbye, I can't handle this. And I was not respected as an employee. I was not even respected as a human being. So why would I issue them the respect of going in and issuing my two weeks? And so with all of that built up frustration from losing my job, losing another job, and then being disrespected at my final lifeline, I kind of had to take a step back and really ask myself, what am I working for to this day? This is the first time you guys are getting the exclusive scoop. I was a realtor for I think about two years, and I did not make a single dollar. No way. Right. I wish I was lying, but that's the absolute truth.
0: Eileen had basically failed at what she set out to do. Failure is heartbreaking, but it's also liberating. This low point forced Eileen to confront the problematic philosophy driving her financial decisions the belief that she didn't matter unless she had acquired certain status symbols. Because at that moment, Eileen, unemployed and in debt, realized that she still had value.
1: I'm so much more than this. I'm so much more than all of the stuff that I'm being given and I deserve more. And that was me putting my foot on the ground and saying that, why don't I just start giving myself what I want? that I keep asking from other employers. Why don't I just start that for myself? And so that was the inspiration of the baller on a budget. I was essentially the muse for it because I was sharing my life story of constantly navigating through life, feeling inadequate, not only from a financial place, but the fact that my finances were parallel to my self-worth and the way that the world perceived me. And I constantly felt like there were so many reminders, very brutal reminders telling me that I was worth nothing because I wasn't a millionaire, because I didn't go to school to be a nurse, because I didn't do anything the traditional route, because I just wanted to follow my heart. I wanted to pursue happiness. I wanted to be a creative soul. For the first time in my life, I stood up for myself in that way where I just decided to give myself the gift of that freedom and just start my own business. My business is my baby and it's also an extension of me and my personality. And a lot of what I showcase online you saw me in my early 20s where fashion was a priority, and you're seeing me now lean into my 30s where building a home and you know fully stepping into adulthood is more of a priority. And this job has given me the, the freedom of discovering myself and finding the fragments of me that I felt like I lost through the journey of life so far. I've come to collect all those pieces of me that I lost and just kind of put them back into place.
0: This is where we were going to end this episode on a note that felt final, complete. I was going to tell you about how stable Eileen's income is thanks to the business she built herself. You are going to hear Eileen talk about how empowered and confident and financially independent she is after years of growing Baller on a budget. But as we know, life rarely hands us clear-cut beginnings, middles, and ends. So that's why... Months after we drove away from her home in Merino Valley in the dead of summer, we called Eileen up again. In the interest of honoring Eileen's commitment to financial transparency, I want you to know that Eileen's next chapter starts with an ending.
1: Yeah, like the thing about separation is that people go through this every single day. Like there's always someone who's going through it. And I had a lot of people who, you know, sent me messages saying that they've been going through the same thing. Um, similar things or even worse.
0: Eileen and her long-term partner, who she owned that millennial dreamscape of a home with, broke up recently. It was amicable, she said, and not exactly a surprise, but she had to move out. I learned about it along with her other followers on Instagram when she was packing up. And in that Eileen way, she's not hiding any of it.
1: We don't talk about that whole financial aspect of separation that can be so hard. That's like, you know, everyone is so preoccupied with the, the emotional part of it, but they don't really realize that like the whole uprooting, changing your whole entire life, basically like picking up your roots and like trying to put them somewhere else. And then also like changing, you know, like your financial lifestyle and everything that's like surrounding context for that. I think nobody really talks about, so (laughs) it warranted a conversation.
0: Eileen is readjusting to a single-income lifestyle after a long partnership. It's a fact of life that so many of us hide in the wake of a breakup. But by calling it what it is, a true financial challenge, eileens finding strength and solidarity in the community she's built around herself.
1: I feel like there is a certain level of closeness that I have with my community that I'm really grateful for. Like, you know, a lot of people have said... You know, like, we see you like our big sister kind of thing. So it's like, we're always rooting for you. That that gets me emotional because I'm just like, you don't even know me. <laughs> um,
0: I'm not going to spin this into some inspirational more than this moment because that's certainly not what Eileen would call it. At least not right now. But that's the funny thing about endings. Sometimes they actually reveal themselves to be beginnings.
1: I will, like, admit that it is really hard to stay optimistic during this time just because, you know, you're you're still trying to process, like, letting go of something and somebody who is, you know, essentially a big part of your life. But, like, the silver lining to it is that, you know, you don't have, you're not obligated to another person anymore. Like, the only person that you have to care about is you. So that's, like, a land of opportunity there. Like, you have nothing holding you back. Now you have time to go do those things that you wanted to do. Now you have time to focus on your business. Now you have time to, you know, work on your job or whatever it is that you want to work on. And I think at first, you know, while you're still processing your grief, it's going to feel hard to like want to get out of bed in the morning to like find the initiative to go and do all those things that are on your bucket list. But for me,
0: and I speaking of like endings, like- there's part of the original ending of this episode that still feels right. Because nothing has changed about Eileen's journey to a healthier relationship with herself, or the fact that she gave herself the keys to her own fulfillment, freedom, and power. After all, she is literally the baller on a budget, regardless of her relationship status. So here it is Eileen's story is not about more money equaling more status, it's about Eileen living her life on her own terms.
1: So for me, it's not so much of, do I wanna be a millionaire? But what do I wanna do with the freedom and the money that comes with working for myself? Because to me, it's not even so much the money that's important, but it's more so the freedom.
0: More Than This is a Vox Creative production with Straight Talk Wireless produced by Frequency Media. Find out more about how Straight Talk can help you live life on your own terms with no contracts and no compromise at straighttalk.com. And there's more than this for you at vox.com slash more than this, where you can experience this podcast as a visual piece. From Vox Creative, our supervising producer is Anu Subramanian, our producer is Martha Daniel. Taylor Henry is our production coordinator and Gabby Grossman is our director of production. From Epic Studios, our story hunter is Julia Black. From Frequency Media, our executive producer is Michelle Corey and our producer is Ina Garkusha. Scripting by Becca Godwin, Isabel moncloa Daly, and Jessica Olivier. On Location Engineering by Matthew Ernest Filler. Sound design, mixing, and original scoring by Matthew Ernest-Filler. Dialogue editing by Sydney Evans. Our theme song was composed by Matthew Ernest-Filler. Rebecca Gibeon fact-checked this episode. Special thanks to Eileen Louieb and Andrew Sia for making this story possible. I'm Danielle Prescott. Thanks for listening.